0: Okay, before we get into it, I've got a good one for you. On July 22nd, I'll be co-moderating a special screening of Pillow Talk with today's guest, Ruby McAllister. It's all part of Rooftop Cinema Club's summer season. It's going to be me, Ruby, Doris Day, Rock Hudson, and you, celebrating the movie's 60th anniversary on the sky lawn at Embassy Suites in New York's glamorous Midtown. That's July 22nd at 8.30 p.m. Buy a ticket now at the Rooftop Cinema Club site. See you there. Mwah. They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. I'm David Goldberg. These are The Luminaries. This time, it's the return of Ruby McAllister, who you'll certainly remember from our interview with Slash's Leah Hennessy and Emily Allen. Along with Allen and Hennessy, Ruby stars and creates the cult web series Gigi and hosts the podcast So Fascinating. The downtown legend, who has certainly changed my life, sits down to talk with me about precocious talent, fame, and presence. I hope you enjoy. I'm here with Ruby McAllister. Um, hi. Hi. So, okay. Oh my God, here we are. Yeah, um, yeah where to begin? Um, I-, I guess... This is what I want to ask you. Something I've been noticing a lot with you, and I know we're kind of jumping in, but...
1: Yeah, let's jump in.
0: Something I've been noticing a lot about you Mm -hmm. is that more than anyone I know, you are um, chosen, not... I think you are chosen in terms of destiny, but in terms of people taking an interest in you. Okay. I feel like it occurs a lot where it's often people who are older, who are established, interesting, who are captivated by you and take you on as kind of like not a golden child but as like this and not a project and Mm. and and in a similar way to being amused but almost like this this thing like oh i know about ruby ruby's happening right and i'm wondering what you're perceiving
1: okay so i think like historically i was i uh was bred to evoke that feeling Mm -hmm. like i was definitely raised to capture to like my precociousness was definitely like encouraged if not like demanded by my family Mm. um so there was always an aspect of like there was like a vague shirley temple aspect to myself when i was a kid in terms of like um i forget this is a Leah Hennessy like a uh, factoid that she bestowed to me. But I forget it was like either it might have been Graham Greene. No, it was Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal like said uh, a paraphrasing here that like Shirley Temple was so sexually bizarre because she was a child and yet also was an adult. Mm-hmm. Um And really, like, begins, like, the pedophilia of that, like, sort of precocious Mm bizarreity. Like, she wasn't, like, praised for her innocence. She was praised, actually, for her adult, like, qualities. But, like, she was in truly a cherub's body. Um, And I feel that was really, like, that's really how I identify in, like, a fucked up way, even as an adult. Like, I'm trying to, like... My my chronic precocious, um, at uh, because I'm no longer precocious. I'm 26. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. (laughs) Like, but I I'm constantly evoking uh, a precociousness. Like my onstage persona is um, ageless. You don't know how old I am when I perform. That always sort of commands an automatic wow, how old are you? How do you know about this stuff? How are you evoking this stuff? Even though it's like, nobody should be asking me that at this point because I'm fucking 26. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I have debts. I graduated college. I've, you know, I'm not a virgin. You know, like it's like, and so I'm constantly evoking because I was raised in a theater, because I was... Um, raised in Hollywood, because all of these things, I was trained to be chronically precocious, and I always and I've always looked very young, you know. So there's that that element of sort of like an automatic musing, but also con- contradicting that is like I've never had a mentor, I've never had someone fully taking me on. Everybody just okay. bestows love upon me, but nobody has like I've never been in like a hyper intimate incestuous relationship with right. an elder. Um, you know, like, a legacy or a legendary person. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in college, all of my teachers would say, like, oh, she's going to be fine. Or, like, she she doesn't need my home. Like, let her go. And that's... and And I still talk to people now... Who are not that much older than me. They're like six years older than me at most. But they're like legendary yeah. comedians or performers. And they <clears throat> they, they fi- when I come to them for advice and they're like, you're going to be fine. Just shut the fuck up. Mm. I, you don't need my help. You don't need my help. And I'm like, no, no, no. I do need your help. And that's in lies the, the sort of um, uh, the limit of being chronically precocious is that nobody actually believes that you need help because there's an aspect of being precocious that is also like not being vulnerable. So, I I'm I'm chronically everybody's favorite but I'm never I can't I can't like spin this tale, but it's I I will you know what I mean? Like I'm everyone's favorite but it's like it's hard to be like, "Oh, let's help her out." You know what I, I mean? Don't. Because it's like I'm like a I'm a darling but i'm on a i'm i'm in i've always been in a race of my own right. making i'm never in anyone else's race i'm always you know like um i'm in a league of my own and i'm literally really alone in that league
0: it's just crazy to me because you know um when i've been like
1: shirley temple not <laughs> like she's not a child star like everybody right. has to remember that shirley temple wasn't a child star she was like a dragon, <laughs> like I don't know, right. like she's like, like a fucking spider lady or something. Like she, like w- Shirley Temple is the greatest child actor of all time. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and they're still selling VHS yeah. box set. Like right. they're still selling. You can call in for fifty nine ninety nine a month for yeah. the show. Like and she's I don't know why that's everywhere. still happening. It's yeah, crazy. it's like,
1: and then she became a fucking like duchess or whatever. Like she. Married into like French royalty, like it's like she is a league of their own. Most child stars historically, um, Uh, yeah, it's tragedy. They self-emulate, like, and and that is like a really good example. Like she is on, she is really a league of her own. She doesn't follow the like tragedy of her own like mythology, and I, I, yeah, Shirley Temple, I'm obsessed with, and also like. I don't know, I think about the drink all the time, too. Like, ordering a Shirley Temple. I know. You know, because I was created, because she was always at parties as an adult, so they, she had to have a cocktail. It's like, it's just that, kill me. Like, that it's is, just like, kill me dead. That, that is, is. everything. Like, oh. shivers, shivers, shivers. You tell me, just a question. You tell me another child star who has a fucking virgin cocktail named after them. You can't. The only other one is a Will Rogers. Roy
0: Rogers. Roy like okay. Roy
1: Rogers. Wasn't he a cowboy? Uh, I, yeah,
0: I don't even know. Yeah, nobody was a fucking Who adult. Cares? He
1: was like fucking spitting and chewing right. tobacco. I think he was just a recovering alcoholic, so he needed a fucking uh, sober or whatever. But yeah. Anyway, Shirley Temple, the icon of precociousness.
0: It's interesting because you know what my mother always says about British child stars is like, oh, well, they're better off because they're a little more protected. You know, the Harry Potter kids are are fine. They never had any scandals. And then, of course, you think about American child stars, which is it's always tragedy. It's mm. always drama. It's always pain. It's always upheaval. And but then with the American child stars, I'm like, yeah, but they tasted greatness on a different level. Like that's mm. why there's the tra- like when Nona Ryder.
1: Oh, wow. We're getting into a baby. I hope people even are following us I at this point. I don't even
0: know. Uh, with Winona Ryder, I just don't even know how to it, – it, it's one of those – I wouldn't but know how graduated. to explain Winona Ryder. Do
1: you feel like – but she to, sort to of – To someone gra- who doesn't
0: get it. To someone who didn't grow up with that. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a 21-year-old right now watching Stranger Things and not understanding that, like – Everything was on this, not in the same way as Shirley Temple, but there was that sense of true greatness. Like this true, like Iphigenia. She's like our virgin sacrifice. Like put her out. It's definitely virgin
1: sacrifice. But that's the other thing about Winona we didn't, we didn't, sorry, we didn't see her as a child. You have to understand. We saw her at like 13 on. Right. So there's an. So maybe more
0: um, Christina Ricci. Yeah.
1: It, Christina Ricci. Um, who else? I was so little. She's so little. Even like two is Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. There's so many that graduated into like crazy careers. But um. But the true child star, if you are, that's the thing, is that the child star is actually defined by. I believe this is. I'm, I'm not taking this from any fucking textbook. But the child star is defined by their career ends. Actually, once they. Um, acquire an adult body that—that that is right. actually the definition of it. Right. Um, okay. So the child stars that like come to mind, Jackie Coogan, obviously, mm. of the Coogan account.
0: <laughs> Hello. <laughs>
1: which every professional child actually is by law forced to have a Coogan account because Jackie Coogan, who is the first child star actually in history, he was the child in the Kid Charlie Chaplin's the Kid. He um. Was the most successful child star of his time, obviously because like by the he was in the film industry twenty years and it was like a new industry, do you know? Right, what I mean? like, well, it's like okay. ring, tin, tin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're um, just like we
0: can work this dog to death because right. there's no why not. So yeah.
1: he also he also then became a little rascal, oh, and then okay. his parents drank all of his money, like every yeah. every dime he made. He was destitute. Macaulay Culkin, yeah. He was destitute, Um, except Macaulay Culkin is not destitute destitute and was never destitute. However, um, um, so by the time he was 18, he was like totally destitute. And that's when they like mandated this like bylaw. Every child that is working professionally has to have this account. I also had a Coogan account, not to brag, but I did have a Coogan account. Yeah.
0: Can can we just sorry. I'm because I've heard tales of your theater exploits at yeah. at girls' school. Um, yeah, famously yeah. Ruby went to girls school for middle school. When did your acting happen or begin? Okay. And when was it professional and when was it Absolutely. you at your parents' theater?
1: Okay. Yeah. There's like this is a really interesting thing because I was talking to a very successful comedian recently who well, I was just he, like he's very successful. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was talking about and it was at I was talking to him literally at the place I waitress at. So there's already a a, a dichotomy s- yeah, there. Power, <laughs> a power a power thing. Like he has his own television show, blah, blah, right. blah. Okay. And then I was like, yeah, I've been acting since I was a child. And as I said that, I was like, where does this begin? Like, where? Mm. I don't know. And then he was like, oh, damn. Like, wow. Like, you know more than me, which I found really demeaning because I'm like, bitch, you have your own fucking show. And he's like, wow, I actually started when I was 20. He's 29 now. I'm like, okay, get the fuck out of my restaurant. Well,
0: yeah. It's, okay.
1: So bad. That was really poor form. That's a, Also, it's like if we're talking about toxic masculinity, that is just what it is. Is like you mean well and then also have to flaunt your... Uh, power. Well,
0: yeah, it's well. It's, like this that's, it's so fucked up. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna recognize my privilege and discount it, but then actually use it to right, shove exactly you and further, further into, into, into the
1: grave. Yeah. So it's like, oh my god, you <clears> must more know more than me. I started my career only nine years ago. Yeah. And it's like, his television show just premiered. It's just like, get the fuck out of here right now. And turn and walk away. And right. Get and out what of here. if you
0: do know more than him? And I do and and, right.
1: and the thing is I do know more than him of course. about certain things and he knows more about fucking how big old contracts work or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. like it's all it's all and z- z- zoo time baby but anyway <laughs> um but I asked myself like where we, where did it start and like yes I there was actually a first production and I like forgot that that there was mm. a moment where I joined children a children's theater group. I'm
0: so traumatized preemptively, but yeah. This is insane. Um,
1: and I like really got up the courage to be like, I wanna do this. You know, like mm. I'm mommy and daddy, like I need to do this. And it was Cinderella, the musical. It was my first show, I was like eight, and I like wham bam, thank you, ma'am, got the fairy godmother out the game. <laughs>
0: I don't know why Harriet the Spy is just, like, in my head when you're talking about um, you, like, in a children's performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I
1: mean, that's huge for me, too. Yeah. but um, But I remember that it was, like, this really big deal for me because my parents noticed that... I had these performative qualities, and I always wanted to be on stage, but I was never on stage Mm. because I was raised in a theater in Los Angeles. I was raised at the Cornet Theater, now known as the Largo Theater. Mm. Um, So, like weirdly, the theater I grew up in also turned into a comedy space. Yeah, it's crazy. As I did as well. Um, So uh, I was always around actors. I was always around stages. I slept under the box office. Um, desk like I can run a box office like the first thing I learned how to do before I could read was like run a box office like I ran will call Um, so there was like the the technical aspects of theater I always understood so then I like did Cinderella and then it was like beginner's luck very godmother shit and then I kept doing plays and then I would always get leads so then like I was like oh like I remember recognizing sort of a sense of confidence in myself in terms of like I don't really have to try hard this is coming naturally to Mm -hmm. me and there sort of starts like the spiritual aspect and like my spiritual relationship with performance because it it did feel like a channel it did feel like I was channeling something like even as a child because I would like open I always had a very loud singing voice I didn't necessarily always have a loud speaking voice but um it was sort of like a bizarre also precocious sort of uncanny like that voice is coming out of that child aspect of my voice and I was like I don't know I don't know. Like, it's just like, this is what sounds good to me. And I push my voice to what sounds good, but it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. Um, And then I started auditioning around, like, 11 in L.A. I never got anything except for a Henry Jaglum film, which you can, it's, like, his worst film (laughs) ever. It's, like, called Irene in Time. And then I would do, then I did, like, professional theater in Los Angeles, which is which is the culture I grew up in. So it was like all in the family, sort of, so to speak, but I was being paid legitimate money. So then I had to open a Coogan account.
0: You know, it's interesting what you were just saying about <clears throat> when you would start performing because the age thing does come up there for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You do, when you perform, you do all, you do different voices and mannerisms that do jump from basically baby world through time and space to, like, you're an ancient one. Yeah. But it isn't you. Ancient one, I love. It's not you doing, like, a snide, conscious parody ever. I've never seen that. It is, it comes from a reference that I can never place, Mm -hmm. which is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. And there is kind of a sweetness to that because it isn't, um, I mean, even if I think about, like, Jewish comedians doing, like, Jewish voice, it's always, like, this mean kind of old parody. I don't get that from you and the age thing that when that channel opens, there's the old Hollywood aspect that comes through you and like the classic vamp aspect that comes through you. So I'm just curious, I guess as, as you've aged into it, Mm -hmm. when you open the channel, what, what's coming through for you? What are you feeling? Or are you making more of a shift to it being more conscious? Like, I know that's kind of, it's hard
1: because it's like, it's a constant. Also, I like also then like, uh <laughs> like went to liberal arts school and studied like film and like performance art right. so there's like an aspect of which I like the second I graduated was like we're packing this up like this is oh, like famously. yeah 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 Same yeah side. just because like I, I I did not I knew I didn't want to operate in an art space and I knew I wanted to just like use what I took and like I didn't want to, I never wanted to return to theater blah 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 like I was just like let's go it's comedy or it's cabaret let's go right. um but um, I, w- I was an only child. I am an only child still. <laughs> um, famously, I, I managed to still be an only child. And um, my my mother worked for years for the Frankfurt Ballet, so she acquired these dance mirrors. Um, th- that typically would be very expensive, <laughs> but she acquired them and she hung them in our living room. So Terrifying. my living room was basically a dance studio. It's like
0: the, in Suspiria, but continuing. Yeah.
1: So, um, the mirror, um, which I got into in my undergraduate thesis called aspiring actress untitled period piece,
0: which I have seen. Which I've also, seen the clips. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: and um, and underscore um, what was it called? The psychic spaces of self direction, <laughs> which, like, was my thesis, was me studying uh, the personal feeling of directing myself. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I can do it all. Um, yeah, so, um, so this came up then, and it will be coming up right now in this interview. is the mirror world is very 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 important to me mm. um it's i it's shifting now but um a mirror is uh the most beautiful thing to me in the world and as I was an only child I would dance or sing or do expository very long winded monologues mm. um and it wasn't so much there was sort of like a disassociation aspect to it where it's like I just wanted to see different things in the mirror so there I then I transformed myself to see different things but it wasn't <laughs> I don't know how to describe like it was just to see a different thing. It was like television. It was like changing the channel. So if I was performing for myself in the mirror, I would, do you understand? Mm-hmm. I would have to like be, look like an old woman to see right. an old woman or whatever. Um, and then um, there was also this sort of like longstanding, you know, like when you're a kid and you're like embarrassed about one aspect of yourself. So you make up these like ridiculous lies to, I don't know if you did this. Is this a kid thing or is just like a rumor Collister thing? I was so ashamed of being an only child. So I often said, "My I had an like first day of preschool." This is historical. First day of JCC. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Westside JCC. Wait, Noted. What? No, no, not Westside oh. JCC. Where's the Westside JCC? That's
0: the one on Olympic. Oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay, okay. yeah. So
1: Westside. That's considered what? Love that. Huge. Huge. A lot's changed apparently. I know, right? Okay. Whoa. Yes, Westside JCC. Um, first day of preschool, my father is approached by my Holocaust survivor first teacher, Risa, <laughs> tattoo and all, anyway. Um, literally went to the camps. Okay, and then he she goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Ruby told me about the loss of your two sons. I'm three years old. Um, <laughs> and then he goes, excuse me, what are you talking about? <laughs> Pardon? And then she's like, Ruby told me about the shooting, the shooting in Vegas.
0: Okay, no, <laughs> didn't didn't happen.
1: No, I've never had two <laughs> brothers that got shot in Las Vegas. No, <laughs> but that was my compulsive <laughs> response to being ashamed of being an only child.
0: I was, like, yeah, no. I was like, yeah, no, no, no. I was like, <laughs> and
1: <laughs> exactly. I was like, I was like, yeah, no, I had two brothers and I got shot in Vegas. Which, like, ultimately is like my biggest erotic fantasy is that I do have these, like, transparent two older brothers that, like, showed me cool stuff and, like, taught me how to be good with men. And then they got shot. But, um, <laughs> at age
0: three, they taught, yeah.
1: But then it, this, this, like, habititude would, would yeah. happen all the time. I would say my sister ran away or whatever. And then, or a famous one was when my friends, This is all before the age of seven where you have, by the time you're seven, you sort of have to pack all this shit away because you can't, like, be running your mouth like crazy. I knew that at least. I didn't. Okay. Well, I was, I was like, oh, seven, like, people know me now and I can't just be running my mouth. When you're new at a school, when you're six, you can just say what the fuck ever. But now it's like, enough people have been to my house where it's like, they know I don't have a sister that ran away. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, (laughs) okay, so then the other lie was I have a sister and she's trapped in the mirror. And I'll show you her. Come here. And it was my reflection. And I was like, that's her. (laughs) And then I would also talk to myself in the mirror for a long time. And I was talking to my twin sister, who was named Katie, which is very dark.
0: So in terms of the mirror world aspects, Mm -hmm. is there like – because I constantly feel like there is this imminent version of me who I don't even think is named David who – Eventually, the world will see. Once this has been cleared out, and I write my novel, blah blah blah, and it, he's always like coming, and I don't mm-hmm. know that he's, I don't know how much I can actually occupy him. I'm wondering, like, is there mirror Ruby that we are that you're waiting for us to see?
1: That's the thing is, like, I, maybe possibly when I was like in high school and definitely in college, yes, but I the mirror as the mirror world Ruby is like really. I did lots of work around it. Like, Gigi Mm. is sort of an exorcism of my mirror world self. Um, My character, Mona Deliza, like, I created with Leah Hennessy because we both were so fame addicted growing up. Um, And then we had to sort of like banish the demon because everybody, listen up, fame is a demon and it is a demon. It's true. It's an energy, it's a force, it's not a thing. It's a force, so it's like I had to like I was becoming so sick with my fame addiction got so bad in college. It got literally cripplingly bad yeah. where it was like everything was about like my eminent obsession with becoming famous so much. and then you realize if you're obsessed with fame, you're obsessed with just killing yourself. it's It's a death drive. Thing. It's why
0: I stopped writing for for i I got to a point, yeah, I stopped in, acting, yeah, I got to a point in twenty seventeen where I was like, I can't do this to myself anymore because yeah. it was I maybe I don't want to kill myself anymore right now so yeah. why should I be wanting to do that why right. should I want success in this because there to me there was no way of splitting it right. and now I get it, I, it it's possible
1: and No it's totally it's possible It's totally possible
0: but but yeah you have to take but the But you fame have to thing. take the same oh.
1: thing and it's like Leah and I when sh- we were both in college she was studying like Possession ceremonies because she fucking went to Sarah Lawrence and I went to Bennington College. So we were writing our theses and whatever the fuck we wanted to do. Leah famously is a little more like uh, academic. She's East Coast. I'm West Coast. I'm sort of like a ding dong head, and she's sort of like totally. <laughs> yeah, Tell <your> name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, she's like really like the thinker, and I'm just sort of I'm I'm classic ding dong. I'm classic. classic. <laughs> Classic Hollywood ding dong. You know what I mean? Um, so she was studying like spirit possession, and I'm like a little bit younger than her, and Leah's always sort of been like my older sister. So she was studying spirit possession, and I was getting into all of these like really academic ideas of theater and performance. And then that sort of sprung Gigi, and I realized that we ha- you have to make fun of every aspect of yourself to burn it up, to give it up, to transform it you have to and it's like i don't know like even fucking buddhists say like you gotta laugh at yourself or like it's like it's that aspect it's a dumb aspect and i can get into the academic like theater aspects of it but um my my fame addiction was so crippling was so 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 crippling like from um like a the the second i hit stage when i was in cinderella as a fairy godmother On to basically like 20, I started Gigi, and then it started moving. And ironically, as I started dealing with my fame demon, I started becoming a performer. Right. I started actually doing what I intended to do on the planet once I faced it, once I called it what it was and I and I got to actually become the person I wanted to. but I was complete I was paralyzed. like I was crippled and paralyzed like most of my adolescence and childhood with this just like obsession. And it's really weird, it's like you can sort of see the pictures change of me, yeah, um, like you can really see sort of like a before and after like as a child, there's a like super androgynous, um yeah. as everybody, there's a Dar Williams song when I was a boy I'm and that's like is... about it's about her being like before she was six and she had to become a girl, like she could take her shirt off and like climb a tree or whatever, but I was very like. Um, androgynous, like, cowboy, like, curly hair, like, curly red afro, like, cowboy outfit. Like, that was my vibe. And then the fame addiction hit, and then it was, like, really weird relationship with my body. Like, Mm. I just looked different. And then my mom would always, like, you were such a sweet kid. You were so generous, so lovely. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of, like, got more anxious, got more shut down, got more volatile. And it was literally until I... Did Gigi with people, created work with people, really looked at my shit with friends, developed hardcore fucking relationships. Now I'm now I'm like back to my four year old self. I'm like more tapped in to that essential aspect of myself because I'm not so desperate to die. I'm not like pleading on my knees to take away my responsibility. And that's right. all it is. It's like the the fame thing is like, please save me, yeah. omniscient force. And I was in Gestalt therapy, <laughs> famously. Hello. Hello. <laughs> West Coast. Uh, this is East Coast. Oh, okay. Gestalt. Un- Alan Cohen. Unbelievable so. man. Unbelievable yeah. man. Changed my life. And he, I remember in his office, I said, I always feel like there's an omniscient eye. I feel like there's an eye in the sky always watching me. Yes. He says, who's watching you? And he says, I go, it's it's the it's the studio that's not signing me. And if I do enough things, I get signed to a studio, and then I'm protected for life. And then I'm, like, in the fucking room, and I'm crying and crying, and I'm like, the studio system doesn't exist anymore. Like, I'll never be safe. Ooh. Stuff like that. Which- crying. Crying about it.
0: I'm I'm so thankful you're saying this because my fame addiction, I think, like, was started rolling in college. Mm-hmm. Once my all the trauma and depression started surfacing, mm-hmm. then when I went to L.A. Uh, it, right. It was well because in L.A. I was told it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're not happy. It's it that's regard. It doesn't matter. There are plenty of just dead faggots everywhere in LA who are in their 40s or 50s who are in suspended animation but I told myself if I can get what did I even I don't even know what I thought I thought if I could sell my Shazam movie to DC just whatever
1: right then
0: it could start and I similarly was like a
1: how were you living then? Like, what was I was that? like,
0: well, I I, st- I also started as a twink, just this, mm. like, plain twink. And then I would go through phases where my weight w- foot would fluctuate, and I would just kind of look like Hannah Gatsby, kind of. <laughs>
1: really? Yeah.
0: And it wasn't until, like, I had been living in New York for a few years, and I did have a few moments where I was like, do you want to be alive right. or not? Because, mm. I ca- yeah, I, I got to the same place where I was like, My life, my sexuality, Mm -hmm. allegedly people will start loving me. All of that can start once I have fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, if it's possible that I can hack the system and get at least one of those before then, then I have to do it and and I'll never be a writer again. I don't care. And then only this last year did I plead back. I like sat and prayed for the writing to come back because I was like, it kind of, it was very like Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I I was like, I can do this. Like, let me have it. I can actually do this now, but. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to, mean to take no, this no, all no, the way. but, like, the t- annihilation aspect. The annihilation
1: is really real. And also, like, in our generation, and I'm talking about the millennial generation, everybody, is that, um, like, I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, I was, how old was I? I was, like, 13. I was 13 in 2005. Totally revealing my No, Jeez. I already talked about it. Okay. Anyway, um, totally revealing my age. I'm literally 26. Uh, that's a shameful number, I guess. Um... And that was the beginning of uh, party photography of like the mid 2000s of like Cobra Snake. And I don't know if everybody knows Mark Hunter, the Cobra Snake, but Cobra Snake was like the biggest party photographer eventually in the world. But he began as an L.A. phenomenon And um, then his protege that was 15 years old, who I am obsessed with, Corey Kennedy, he found Corey Kennedy, which is a 15-year-old intern he took on after they met each other at the Wiltern (laughs) at, like, a fucking, like, Phoenix show or something. And Corey Kennedy was this uh, brown, stringy hair, messy sort of dumb child. Famously she always had a blue tongue because she was like sucking a lollipop and had like a beer in her hand. Messy. And Corey Kennedy was his muse. So um and it was like it was at this time where MySpace started and like then Cobra Sink started simultaneously and suddenly the like self-conscious curation of your existence began. And that was like right at this moment of like the height of my like acting spell it was like when i got like even better and like more Mm. it doubled down on my investing in acting and i remember like being so upset when i couldn't go to a party at like 12 or 13 i would chase i would like try always to get into a party that like cobra sink was at and 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 i i'm not unique in this way you ask any fucking la kid what was happening at that time for them he wanted to go to a Mickey Avalon show. I'm not sure if everybody. Nobody knows about this. <laughs> but Mickey Avalon was like a pedophilic, like white rapper that everyone was right. obsessed with. Okay, so but amazing songs, um, like Jane Fonda is his like main. St- Hit, whatever. Everybody look it up. But he's so gross, so L.A., so L.A., so L.A. Anyway, um, like, everybody wanted to get into a Mickey Avalon concert. Everybody wanted wanted to be, like, where Steve Aoki was and where, like, Cobra Snake was. I'm not saying – also, by the way, for the listeners, I'm not saying any of this is cool. I was just – it was what was around and what was – the hottest thing at the time when I was 13 and 12. And I just remember, like, castrating myself all the time, mm-hmm. not, going to a, uh, I'm not going to a party. Oh, my God, I'm not going to party. I didn't party a lot even. But I was always like, what would Corey Kennedy do? What would Corey Kennedy do? And this, like, obsession of, like, seeing this girl who – I just looked at this up yesterday. I was like, oh, my God, Corey Kennedy is only two years older than me. Oh, my God. She's born 1990. And I was like, oh, my God. I was obsessing over this girl that was my age. I didn't realize that. She seemed so much older than me. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, at 13, I started doing coke in the bathroom of my girl's school. And it was like, was I having sex? No. Was I at fucking crazy parties and taking my top off? Absolutely not. But I was constantly trying to push myself. How can I exploit myself? How can I get closer? How can I get more vulnerable? What drugs can I take? What party can I be at? What clothes can I wear in this like race to to, to like exploit myself, violate myself, become famous and disappear? I think, retrospectively. But I'm obsessed with Corey Kennedy. I could talk about her for, like, ever. She is, like, the first Instagram girl. Like, Paris Hilton is the first internet, like, famous influencer. Corey Kennedy is the first Instagram it girl. Not everybody knows who she is, but for the people that do, alters. Alters in her name. Alters in her name. I've talked to like, writer friends of mine. Like, it's, like, it's a cult. It's a cult. The Corey Kennedy thing, she started it all. There would be no Sky Ferreira without Corey Kennedy. There would be no, uh, like... And, like, that's the thing. It's, like, SoCo. I don't know if... It's just, like, all of these fucking, like, it girl, dirty, fucked up girls. It's That's the Corey Kennedy empire. And, like, she is this symbol that we're now really trying to reconcile as we're aging and we realize that all of our lives we've just been not embodying our existences because we're constantly witnessing ourselves in this disassociative way. She is really, like, the first virgin sacrifice of that existence of, like, having your life documented, having your life recorded, having your life... um, like exploited against your will your existence becoming tomorrow's advertising right. it's like th- that's her um and that also is a hu- is also fully keyed into the fame demon thing it's fully it's fully body annihilation it's fully experience annihilation
0: you know you gave me chills when you were talking about that earlier because i was on a date the other week and Last week, and mm. he asked me because he just met me now. He didn't know me last year when I was in my go go dancer phase, which I've been in intermittently throughout my 20s. But and he was asking me about it, and I don't, I don't know, I, there's no explanation because I don't really have a lot of sex. I'm famously very sensitive and traumatized sexually, and then I'm, I don't think of myself as like a really like a party boy. I'm pretty depressive. I mean, I'm always out, but. I just know that I went through this period where I didn't want to make art, I couldn't Mm -hmm. make art, Mm -hmm. and I didn't really exist, and I just wanted to push it as far as I possibly could in the most visible way possible until my body and my name didn't matter anymore. Right. And I know that it actually was part of an artistic rebirth because then I was like, well, everything's been burned down now, so now I can just have fun. So eventually it did get me here, so I'm very thankful for that. But, like, yeah, anyways, it just really resonated with me because I still don't really know how to characterize that phase as either good or bad. I just know that, like, some aspects of David no longer exist because I just threw them out for men to just, like— Eat and consume, right. and, and I'm just, happy they
1: did. It's just like it is this 20th century phenomenon of like needing the exploitation and needing the self emulation yeah. because it's like, as Nietzsche famously said, "God is dead," and it's like God did die in a like a very very powerful way in the 20th century, and then subsequently the MySpace, this MySpace millennial social media surveillance state happened after Mm 9-11, famously. So then we started living in a hyper surveillance state. So the God, you are constantly sacrificing yourself to the omniscient eye, and that's true. The God is the self-record. The God is pushing yourself to the extreme of the archive. Do you want do you not understand what I'm saying I do, is like I do. is like I am going to be naked on Facebook. I yeah. do need my tits out for this picture. I and it's like but that's a product of a godless surveillance state. That is the product of that. And what creeps in that's the, I mean that is the fame demon. That is the K-sex Kim Kim tape that making her in some a ways, household name. Go-go
0: dancing is the only time that I felt innocent in a long time.
1: Well, I think I think everybody feels innocent in like the eyes of the surveillance eye. I, I think that is what's beautiful about it. I think that's what drives us. I think right. we feel exposed and raw in front of the real witnessing of like everything is recorded and everything will be captured. Right. And I think that's what drives the compulsion, the obsession, the Instagram addiction, the Twitter addiction, it's its everything. Everything is a record. That's such a dangerous thing. That's a confessional state. That's, I mean, and that's, it's the godless post nine eleven surveillance state.
0: But I mean, to take it back with you, something that I've always marveled at with you is that um, you are not jaded. I mean, mm-hmm. especially even the fact that 'Cause most I'm twenty nine, most people in our milieu don't actually have that much of a body of work, mm-hmm. which I don't. Mm-hmm. Um you it, even let's just stick with Gigi, that's mm-hmm. like it is a body of work. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it yeah. goes back many years.
1: Yeah.
0: Yet you are not jaded. You're actually quite excited and delighted most of the time. Time, time, by, by which I find shocking, especially after we just talked about, you know, this kind of system we're in.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I'm not jaded. I think I am just constantly delighted. It, I think that's just like a product of being able to laugh at yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that's like why I hang out with comedians. It's why I wanted to do comedy. It's because it's like there's just a constant – you get just like inherently intrigued when you laugh at things. Yeah. There's just like – I know that's like so stupid and so sort of like, like Upper West Side Buddhism of me, but it's like – It is really just a product of being able to laugh at yourself. And that is truly why I hang out with funny people only and is why I didn't want to go into theater and it's why I don't hang out with actors. Oh, my God. Because the actor fucking bitterness thing, it's like if you are bitter, you are not properly laughing at yourself, period. You can be being like, I'm such a loser, ha, ha, ha. That's not laughing at yourself. Like It's like you can always tell the state of someone's humor by if they're, like, bitter or not. That's just, like, it's insane.
0: Well, what happened, what disturbed me about L.A. was that it wouldn't even be bitterness. Sometimes I was Mm. like, I wish there was bitterness because I'd meet these, like, 48-year-old gay guys who had directed a movie 20 years ago and nothing since and who are just, like, in these kind of cocoons where they don't, nothing's ever even occurred. It hasn't even occurred to them that maybe they've failed. So they're just in this kind of, like... Pillow world where nothing had time has not happened and there are mm-hmm. no consequences. And sometimes I was like, God, if you could really reckon, you could actually make really good art again. If you could like reckon with consequences,
1: but that's like, I don't know. I think but that's, that's not bitterness. That's, I mean, that's like sort of like ab fabry. That's like mm. the ab fab condition of like. What are you doing again? You know, like it's like, wait, how do you make money? Right. Whoa, who are you? Why do you think you're so important? Um,
0: Which is why it's my favorite show. It obviously. is. It <laughs> is also why it's
1: my favorite show. Yeah. But it's like, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe this. I mean, I, we're talking about very dark themes, but I think it's all fabulous. I think everything we're talking about is so fabulous. But um, I just think like that's part of the. I f- just feel like that's part of the like system or something like I just think like not everybody oh this is bad (laughs) not everybody should be making like better work than they are and I just think not everybody like I think people are like in those states to discover the nirvana of eventually laughing at themselves I think like that's like the beauty of it is like they are unconscious so like one day they can break through like that is their gift and like I don't know. I just think that's like part of. I don't know. I just think some people are just sort of meant to die at the altar, and some people get out of it. And a lot of people have never been on the altar, but uh, yeah. some of us have, and we have to work fucking overtime to get ourselves off of the sacrificial altar. You know, we have to. Yeah. But um,
0: the reason, I mean, I think to the live a life consciously. You and Chan- that you and Charlene have both been on this podcast so early mm. is because I. I, the, the altar goddess, yeah. with you it's more Dark Phoenix, with her it's more um, Seredwen goddess, but like, mm. there is the altar aspect. For me, when I see you, I see fire come straight through your body and surge out. Yeah.
1: And but it's, that behoves you. Thank you so much, thank you so much. I mean, but that's like, the spiritual aspect of it is like, I don't know, I just don't know how you fucking talk about uh, any sort of performance without... Being on an altar. <laughs> thank you. I just don't no, get thank it. You. I mean, that's so like, I'm really like revealing myself in a massive way in this interview. But, um, yeah, I just don't know how people talk about their work without it being like really hugely, um, Terror. theological. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't got it. Me too. I just don't got it. Well,
0: how can you grow up watching like Sailor Moon <laughs> and, then, and then say, I'd oh, like, I'm just.
1: I'm just writing songs. Or I hate when
0: people post on Twitter when they've, like, done something huge, like their TV show's coming out, and they're like, I made a thing. And it's like, no, you didn't. You didn't? You actually did something huge, and, like, you should use epic terminology.
1: And it's just, like, we're in such, like, an epic time. I don't know. It's just everything is so epic. High stakes. It's Um, so high stakes.
0: Unfortunately, we have to finish. So (laughs) let me just ask, (laughs) is there anything you'd like me to plug? You know you're going to be on this show. 30, Thirty goddamn yeah. times.
1: No. Oh, what did I have to plug? I don't know. You know what? I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm around. I'm always around. Follow me on uh, at Aspiring Three Two Three Actress, and Three Two Three is my area code. Aspiring Three Two Three Actress,
0: um, which is my all-time favorite. Instagram, handle. Instagram. It's my favorite. And Thank you. Um, okay, I love you with all my heart. I Thank love you
1: with all my heart. Goodbye.